Good morning, good afternoon, good night, good whatever it may be for you right now. This is Lose the Taboo on Mental Health with Jared Cash. Buckle up, get ready, we going for a ride. Hey everybody, I'm here with Ben Sigmund. He is the lead pastor of the church that I work at, Timberlake Church. Uh, and Ben is a guy that I found that is respected so much by so many people, not only, of course, in this church, but in the community and really around the country, a leader that has influenced a lot of people. And for Jessica and I, uh, we think he is probably the funniest pastor that we know in sermons. Keeps you on your toes. You never quite know what's coming. So that's one of the things that I've loved about Ben. But thanks so much for being on. Mm. Thank you for having me. And with that introduction, all I can do is disappoint you now, but hopefully <laughs> uh, hopefully we'll have a good time today. Perfect, perfect. So want to just kind of see if maybe you could share a little bit about you for anyone that hasn't had the opportunity to meet you or, or hear from you. Yeah, I, uh, I'm married. I have two uh, adult daughters. My wife and I have been married almost 30 years, and uh, my daughters live in the Seattle area. Really proud of them. Proud of my wife, who is on August 17th, is finishing her MBA. Oh, wow. And so uh, that's pretty cool. And uh, just a little bit about my life. I spent most of my life as a pastor, uh, worked a little bit in business as well. And uh, it's been a great ride and opportunity. I grew up outside of uh, the church, actually outside of Christianity. And um, so I think, honestly, there's been a uh, positive in that, Mm -hmm. is that just the freshness uh, for me, even all these years later, and I became a Christian a long time ago, and uh, all these years later, just uh, surprised in a real good way of uh, God and His goodness. I love that. I love that. What could you just share before we really dive into kind of some of the meteor stuff. If, is there an interesting fact about you that that some people don't know or something comes to mind? Yeah, I'm a movie star. <laughs> uh, I was a out-of-focus extra really? in Side Out Sport, a beach volleyball movie, which means that, that they wanted me in the picture. They just didn't want to see me. <laughs> so uh, that's probably the, the best best-known fact. And uh, when I, w- I was in line at a Starbucks in L.A. when I was in graduate school, and uh, from Seinfeld, uh, Newman was right behind me, and oh, it wow. took everything in me not to say, hello, Newman, and uh, <laughs> so I didn't do that. Uh, beyond that, my life's been pretty pretty boring oh, for the boy. most part. <laughs> now, those are two interesting. I was not expecting either of those, so I love that. That's great. Well, let's Go ahead and just jump uh, kind of right into it. Um, really excited. I think there's going to be a lot for us to touch on, and of course, a lot that you'll be able to share that I think is going to be super impactful for a lot of people. Um, but wanted to kind of start a little bit. You, you kind of talked about not growing up in the church and and sermons. You know, you've shared before about some of the struggles uh, that your family had with addiction and uh, even mental health struggles. And wanted to just see if you wouldn't mind maybe expanding on that, kind of sharing how that affected you, maybe affected your view of mental health? Yeah. uh, Addiction and uh, struggles with mental illness have been strong. In fact, uh, very sad, not too long ago, uh, one of my nephews, who wasn't that old, uh, died 
because of his alcoholism, directly mm. because of that. Um, and I, I remember growing up not having context for what normal was. Mm-hmm. Um, my uh, my parents really, I, I came to later on find out, uh, in some ways did a, did a great job for given the circumstances they grew up in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, we would, uh, my mom was married eight times, my dad four times, and there were other people in and out of the house who weren't marriages, yeah. and, and we would move in the middle of the night. I remember, I think we'd move 16 times by the time I was 11 years old. Oh, my goodness. And so there's just an incredible chaos uh, and instability, and then, you know, a lot of addiction and anger and, you know, police showing up at the house. So this was sort of the, the context of chaos. Uh, but when it's your only context, you don't know it's a context of context of chaos, and that's yeah. uh, that was uh, the good part of that. So uh, my my mom, uh, when it comes to mental illness uh, later on, and, and she struggled with you know addiction her whole life, um, and uh, she uh, she's bipolar, mm-hmm. and she she's passed away. And also borderline personality disorder, which probably was honestly even more the more difficult of the two. Bipolar mm. can be difficult, but borderline because of what they can and can't do yeah. uh, can, can be. Uh, a, some, that, those were some of the things that she uh, dealt with in her life. Yeah. So, like you said, you didn't know any different. That's what you grew up in, and and I'm sure. Um, you know, I don't know if you would say in those early years before you became an adult, if, you know, you look back on it, would you say that mental health struggles were there for you or was it maybe something that came later in life? Yeah. And, you know, there's all sorts of, I don't want to use the word weird, but I'll use it of myself, uh, sort of weird tics, uh, <laughs> found out late, you know, as a doctor and a psychologist and people kept on, you know, saying, Hey, we, pretty sure you have uh, obsessive compulsive disorder. Mm. And so, and I think that was really a byproduct uh, of that. And anyone who's struggled with that, and they'll know there's some telltale signs, counting, those kind of things yeah. that are just, uh, you know, it's not just being well-organized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in fact, and as severe as it can be, uh, can be very difficult. Pretty uh, crippling. Uh, yeah. And n- not so much for me, mm-hmm. uh, but, but definitely have dealt with it. Uh, a little bit. Uh, and uh, that's uh, a little bit about me, I guess. Yeah. So when you, uh, you know, as you got older and started a family, you know, you're adult at this point, of course, started a family and then started pastoring, which, you know, a lot of people uh, aren't able to fully understand unless you're in in ministry. And especially it's a different level for those that lead a church as a lead pastor. That's a different level of uh, responsibility and pressure that comes with that. That's just hard to fully comprehend unless you've done it. Um, kind of curious, you know, taking all that on plus, you know, on the side being a movie star and probably modeling yeah. <laughs> a little bit, like all that together, did you notice that affecting your mental health? Yeah. So let me talk to you about the positive side Yeah. So of being a pastor. So uh, one of the things in, in uh, seminary graduate school, we had to take a course. I took a second one in in uh, uh, counseling therapy that I wouldn't have taken, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, took some undergrads, not a counsel- not a therapist, but but just having some education on the undergrad and graduate level uh, at least helped me to become more aware for myself. Yeah, and so uh, and read a bunch of books, and and uh, and so that was 
uh, I would say, really positive. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I first became a pastor, went through uh, uh, an ordination process, they required some counseling. Mm. And that counseling was really uh, good and introduced me to it, created a bit of a baseline uh, for me as well. And so I think that uh, that's positive. Also, that if you're going to be, you know, have some fruitfulness in ministry, you're going to have to deal with these issues, and then it forces uh, you to deal with it on your own. I remember when we uh, were doing support groups, I think some of the Celebrate Recovery uh, kind of thing. But but one of them was uh, working through some adult child of an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. And I always thought that's really good for those people who need that. You know, there's a lot <laughs> of people who struggle. and uh, But going through it, it was like I, I was shocked at how much not only uh, the context, the some of the commonalities, and then yet my own behavior were reflective of that. And that was really... Uh, sort of a breakthrough uh, for me. And so, so I think that was a really, uh, really wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I've been in counseling a number of times in, in my life. I'm not someone who's in it all the time, but, uh, but uh, as, uh, as needed. I think in ministry, there's positive because we get the opportunity to reflect to learn and to grow. For those who aren't in ministry, uh, you know, uh, the uh, and say, well, how is that different? I remember talking to a counselor. I said, hey, have you ever worked with a pastor? Uh, and they said, well, how is that different? And I said, well, you know, in my mind, that question disqualifies you right there <laughs> yeah. because there's no other uh, uh, occupation where uh, your church life, your social life, your spiritual life, your vocational life, and your family life are so intricately connected yeah. in a way that they can't be pull, pulled apart without it all falling apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no... Uh, when Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates went through divorces with some pretty ugly allegations, that has not affected their careers. Yeah. And so same thing for a doctor or an attorney. And so so there's so much of that. You add that to, in some contexts, uh, where there's uh, you know some shame attached to uh, dealing with difficulty in your own life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's that. I've, I've been fortunate and blessed that I've been in mostly grace-based mm-hmm. environments, and so, uh, so I'm thankful for that. What are some of the other things? I know you talked about counseling being a big part of it and just being self-aware. Uh, have there been other things that you've done and learned over the years that has kind of just helped you maybe manage it better, any type of struggle you've had with mental illness, or maybe even find freedom from it completely? Uh, Yeah, I think, you know, the find freedom completely, I believe, can happen. Miraculously, I do believe in the power of God to do that. That's not maybe my story. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, uh, but there's some things that are just very uh, basic as well. Like and this is so important. So you can be a great counselor and great community, uh, but if you are not sleeping well and you're not exercising, and you're having those those two factors can undo all the counseling in the world. Mm. 
so those are, you know, basic. And if you've ever known, and, and you know, I've had family members who, who have been in facilities and so forth. And that's actually some of the first things that they work on because that gives us a baseline to process. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for me, I try to, uh, you know, go to uh, the gym or at least walk or whatever. And, and I've had some health problems lately, but I still am out there uh, trying to, uh, to do that. Uh, to, to give me a better baseline to process life. I, I agree with you. I think lots of times people hope and they pray just for this miraculous, it's taken away all of a sudden. And, and for those that happen, I'm jealous. I think that's amazing. And I think it does happen. I think anything is possible with God. Uh, but it's, it's kind of, I love you saying that because it's kind of just an encouragement that even if it's there, throughout life, maybe difficult, you know, more difficult in certain seasons than others. Uh, there are things that are in our control that can help us take steps forward. It's not like it's this hopeless thing that uh, if you're still struggling with it, then it's this, it just goes downhill from there. There are some really easy things like sleep, like diet, uh, like exercising, things like that, that are pretty simple for us to start doing, just take some discipline, maybe some direction and guidance, uh, but they're things that we can do to to make a difference and help manage it a lot better. Yeah, I, I like what uh, Dr. Henry Cloud, where he talks about reintroducing causality into our life when we're in a place where we're stuck, mm. it, because we, we believe, well, there's nothing I can do, which is, which is untrue pretty much 100% of the time. Doesn't mean you can solve. There's some some problems that aren't solvable this side of heaven, but there's always something you can do. I can do something to make something happen. Um, now, if the goal is a life pain free, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not sure we get that this side of heaven. Uh, but we can have a life that's joyful and wonderful. Uh, and you know, you look at the Apostle Paul. Is oftentimes there's this defiant nevertheless. Mm. You know, and you know, it's, he's, he's like, yeah, people are talking bad about me and I'm homeless and I've lost everything. And, uh, they've, you know, uh, stoned me, uh, to death, uh, using rocks. I say that for my friends in the West coast and the, uh, uh, you know, and all the, but all the things that happen, but there's, you know, nevertheless. Mm-hmm. And I think we can live in that. Uh, and that's why often people who struggle with mental issues, um, can, can find not only some success, but great success, mm-hmm. uh, in, in life. I mean, I wouldn't wish it on anyone, but, uh, but, but there's always reason for hope. Mm-hmm. And there's great things that can come from it. You know, the, the difference that can be made from going through it yourself and then turning around and being open about it and sharing, you know, uh, like, I think it's amazing that you with the platform you have are willing to take the time to come on this podcast and just share your story with it and things that you've done and the amount of people that that can help. Uh, I don't know. It makes it worth it maybe in some sense, at least gives the confidence to keep moving forward ourselves. I'm kind of curious as we uh, look at it, I know, it's taken some big steps forward, but as far as mental illness in the church community, not not Timberlake solely, but just churches overall, Christian community, uh, I know in the past it was, from what I've heard, is really was not a great safe place for that. Um, and I know we've taken some steps forward, but where would you say overall, because I know you interact with a lot of churches, uh, a lot of pastors, 
where do you think the Christian community, I'm finally going to get to this question, I promise, but where do you think that the Christian community is kind of at as far as it comes to it being a safe place for mental illness or for those conversations to happen? Well, I I think overall better, but I think it's always specific. Mm -hmm. It depends on where you're at. And, And I think just... For for someone who's in the thick of it, uh, just give up forever your expectation of perfection or near perfection mm-hmm. when it comes to a church environment meeting that need. Mm-hmm. And I, like I said perfection, near perfection, or near near perfection. But what you can find, and I think what some churches have found, um, is a place for support groups. Mm-hmm to the acknowledgement and the normalization within uh, church. You know, when, when I've talked about uh, uh, struggles I've had with alcohol, mm-hmm. uh, it's for me, um, well, one, I just, it, it's just, there's a lot of reasons why it was important for me to uh, bring some honesty at this point in my life uh, around that. Um, even though that's not my current struggle, I just want to, yeah, you know, the, the uh, but uh, it could be, you know, and so uh, uh, with that that acknowledgement uh, within sermons and and so forth, it doesn't have to be the the major. In fact, I, I would say uh, when you're you know, there's a few times in your life where there's an acute focus on that for individuals, mm-hmm. uh, but it can it can be a part of your life. Uh, that, uh, you know, is a struggle, but doesn't need to be the very definition. And mm-hmm. so I think a church community can hopefully bring a low shame level when it comes to that, that there's, uh, that, that is okay mm-hmm. to, uh, to be there. I kind of curious, you know, talking about just the low shame level, I know that's one of the, the values here at Timberlake. What, what, what's the reasoning behind that? How would you explain that to someone as far as not just with mental illness, but just overall that being the community that's built here? So for me, it, I, I'd been a pastor for a while, and I would see uh, people, uh, you know, uh, in this even before I got here, which has been 14 years, is they'd leave the church, and I'd, I'd wonder what happened. There was no real reason. And then find out, oh, they got divorced, mm. and they didn't want that to happen in the context of a Christian community, or that they uh, got fired from their job for stealing, or whatever. They were dealing with some issue, often a sin, sometimes just a struggle, and they felt it would be better just to go away than to ruin it for everyone else. Yeah, And, uh, and so I just thought I, I never wanted to be in a place like that. Um, and I've also noticed where there, and, and this is important uh, for like our tradition comes out of more of a holiness tradition, uh, uh, and there's extreme danger in that. So it's good to say I want to live a life honoring and holy to God, but sometimes if it's focused on proving that mm-hmm. instead of leaving that as a work of the Holy Spirit, yeah, uh, then um, we're afraid to be our authentic selves, and so. Um, I always say where there's a low shame level, there can be a high transformation level. Uh, and uh, that has been really the ethos of, uh, of what Timberlake is. Mm-hmm. And w- with at the same time, what, you, you know, what you're saying is it doesn't mean uh, having, because some people can take that to the extreme and say, well, then you're not being biblical or you're not holding a standard of, of sharing the truth of the Bible. But 
but it's very possible. And that's something, you know, that we do here of having a low shame level, but still not compromising the truths of the Bible, still biblically sound. It's possible to have both of those. Well, well and, and in a way, I think it allows you with greater clarity and conviction to uphold uh, the truth of God's word and his instructions for our life. Because we say, hey, this, this, is, this is what God uh, wants for us. And this is where your gap may be. Mm. Let's work on that gap instead of people saying, well, there is no gap or, well, because none of us can live this out, then let's change the standard. And Mm -hmm. we just don't have that option. That's, you know, we we start from uh, what what God would say to us and we want to follow, follow what he says. Kind of going back to what you were talking about, I just was really curious. I wanted you to share about that, the low shame as far as here. Uh, really curious, you know, you mentioned about just simply acknowledging some of the struggles that, that you've had as a pastor at different times, maybe, you know, with uh, any type of addiction or mental illness. Uh, just the freedom of just the pastor sharing that in the church community uh, brings brings a lot of hope to people to where they feel like they can be authentic. You know, I, there's been times for me that uh, that was something I've, I've tried to do at different places that I've uh, pastored at is to be really open about that, not talk about it every Sunday, but to be open about that at times and had people come and be like, I never thought that I would hear that talked about mm-hmm. at church or from, from a leader in the church. And uh, that alone can allow there to be, create an environment where people are being more authentic and feel like they can go and approach people about mental health struggles. Uh, so where do you think, where do you think that we could be improving just overall churches? I know it's specific for each church and context and everyone's doing different things, but what are some things that maybe churches can do, do you think, or well, Christian communities? Well, churches are different sizes and have different opportunities, but I think every church uh, can have a low shame level Mm -hmm. with the expectation of a high transformation level. Mm -hmm. And that's where, you know, not changing God's standards uh, comes in. And there uh, can be uh, appropriate honesty. Mm -hmm. You know, there's not every struggle you should share, uh, but there are some that are not only cathartic for yourself, which is positive, but uh, it can be transformational uh, for others. And then, and then there's, you know, two, uh, just being aware of resources both within and outside the church. I think even a small church, a church plant could do that. Mm-hmm. As a larger church, you know, we're able to have a care pastor and recovery groups and, and really normalize that, hey, on, on, on Tuesday nights are where a lot of our support and recovery groups meet. Mm-hmm. The, the expectation is, is that we need a big part of our, uh, our, our uh, space for that. And then sometimes through, uh, you know, through preaching, you know, I love to uh, you know, you preach the Beatitudes, which really the 12 steps are based on in, in many ways. And so those can be really helpful for people with addiction, but also for people with almost any kind of struggle. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, so I, I think those are things that uh, we can do better. And it's okay to seek outside support, mm-hmm. you know, that uh, for both individuals and for pastors who are, and as a pastor, don't, 
you're not a therapist. You don't have to be. There's no expectation. No one should put that on you. Yeah. Uh, so you just do your best uh, and then uh, just find some great folks who can maybe help others out when, when the needs are beyond pastoral concerns. Mm-hmm. I think that is a struggle for a lot of pastors that they try to take that on and then it's not best for the individuals seeking the help. And then, of course, it it leads that pastor to a place where it's too overwhelming, too much of a burden, mm-hmm. and and then they burn out or they end up putting themselves in a situation they shouldn't. Uh, so it there are tons of resources, and, and it helps to know ahead of time to make the connections, even in small church can make connections in the community of where to send people. Uh, but it just takes being really intentional with that and knowing your limits and what you're called to do as a leader. Yeah. What would you say specifically for pastors? That was one of the things I was really excited about you being on uh, is that you would be able to share specifically because I know that there's some people that listen to this that that are in ministry. And what would you say for those that are in ministry? Uh, and then we'll we'll talk about those that aren't. But those that are in ministry. What are some things that they can do, knowing the limits of or what they've called to do? But other things they can do as they're in this season of ministry that can help them with, with mental illness? Personally or, or with... Yeah, personally, uh, not like as a church, but just personally as a pastor. Yeah, I, the great thing is uh, the, there's a number of uh, counseling centers and uh, intensives, and I've had friends who've gone to them, and some are just retreat centers across the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and those, if you're in a place of crisis or, or even approaching it, uh, those are great places. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think for pastors, remain connected uh, to other uh, other people, and uh, oftentimes we're, you know, maybe uh, uh, we put boundaries around our relationships. And, and there are some things uh, that that almost anyone can relate to, and there's some things that only another pastor can relate to. Mm-hmm. And so you need to have those friendships uh, outside of the church. Uh, because there is can can be some difficulty processing uh, within the church from your from your role, and then don't be afraid to go to counseling. One of the things we do for all our staff is we pay for uh, six qu- uh, counseling sessions. We don't say who, uh, no questions asked uh, every year for our team. And so now, do we pay for all their counseling if they need it? No, but we do that uh, so we it's an easy entry point. Yeah, uh, for people if. Uh, they need help. And I think church boards would uh, be wise to do that. And again, uh, I'm not interested in knowing every detail. I'm interested in people getting better. Yeah. That's been a big struggle for me over the years. And I've been in ministry maybe 11, 10 or 11 years now. And what what you mentioned as far as just being a little bit more guarded than I need to, or, you know, cause there, that is, that is a difficulty of, of, I know that there's things that I deal with in ministry that not everyone understands. And at times I've put myself in a situation where I've been pretty isolated, uh, and haven't necessarily had those connections where I've have other pastors that I've been able just to share and be honest with. And, and for me, before I came here, I had one of those really low points and I look back at it and I realize I wasn't, wasn't connected with other other people that that understood what I was going to, and I maybe I was connected, but I wasn't seeking out that on a regular basis. And so I think that's something that I've learned along the way. Yeah. 
Well, uh, I just I just hope everyone. We all need friends. Yeah, and it starts there. You know, we don't want to, you know, call up another pastor and say, you know, I have this incredible mental struggle. Can we talk for the first time ever? Yeah. Uh, and, and by the way, people in the church too. Um, if you wait to the point of crisis, uh, the outcome's not going to be as good. Mm-hmm. And you're more likely to stay in that crisis. Mm-hmm. So the whole long, especially if you have this perennial problem with mental struggles, is you need to be very disciplined, uh, just like I talked about sleep and mm-hmm. all the and exercise, and, and also about just being relationally connected outside of your struggle. Uh, so when there is one, that you have those... Uh, people you can call. Yeah. And, and, and that's just Christian community. Yeah. And it also happens to be good mental health. Mm-hmm. For those that, that aren't in ministry, I know I kind of focus in on that for just a little while, but for those that uh, just anyone out there that is struggling with mental illness, maybe finds himself in a very difficult, dark place right now, what encouragement would you have for them to be able to stand firm in their faith and kind of walk through that and take steps forward. I know we've, some of those things apply, you know, the counseling and community, but what else would you say as far as kind of staying f- firm in their faith? Yeah, I, I think that uh, one of the basic, and this goes beyond faith, is if you know that's a struggle, uh, always question your internal dialogue. Don't believe the story you tell yourself, mm. uh, because there's a percent of the time, and often it's 20, 30, 40% of the time, you're telling yourself a story that's not true. And so uh, that's why we have good counseling. That's why we have church community. That's why we have all of that. Um, And so that's good. So, you know, my own life, I'm like, okay, I'm getting caught up in a moment. I'm like, is this real what I'm telling myself? Mm -hmm. And and now I have friends who will help me to know uh, that's not... And it's not everyone. I I mean, obviously... So, so I think one of the things that you can do is uh, to, one, be connected at some level in a Christian community. It's sort of like going to uh, a doctor for uh, annual physicals instead of waiting until you have some, you know, uh, chest pain. Yeah. So, so that can be one of the things that you can do to get yourself just some basic relational mental health hygiene kind of uh, things as well. And I think spiritually, um, understand, I, for me, here, I, when I was younger, I read the Psalms, and I'm like, I, this, this is a horrible book of the Bible, <laughs> and I want to read the real stuff, and this is like he's, you know, seems to be whining and yeah. moaning and all of that kind of stuff. And, it, and then I understood the context, often of it, most of it was David, and his life and his sin and his struggle and the real outside opposition he had mm-hmm. and how he was coming to God uh, and God was okay with it mm-hmm. and, uh, and that there's something transformational that wasn't two plus two equals four, but there's something transformational about him coming in that process. And so for me... Uh, when I went through seasons of struggles, all I read were the Psalms for years. And yeah. uh, the book of the Bible that I had read probably the least uh, of any. Mm-hmm. So um, I think the scripture does speak to it. You know, there's not a verse for every, you know, there's not a verse for bipolar disorder. Yeah. or But there is some direction. And so I think we keep close to, close to the Lord, close to some other people, um, and that we question sometimes what we tell ourselves. Mm. 
I think for a lot of people, uh, it's they've maybe grown up or maybe they're new to to uh, the Christian faith and feel like they have to kind of filter what they share with God. Mm. And it's something that over time I've realized as well of like, I'm, I mean, God's a big God. He can handle me coming yeah. and sharing how I really feel. Like that's not going to overwhelm him or he's not going to get annoyed. Uh, and so just being real with God. Uh, but a lot of times it is just being in the word and allowing, especially knowing kind of where to, where to turn to and, uh, at times of desperation or when we feel like we're getting in a low place, kind of knowing, you know, where we can, like the Psalms, where we can go and find some encouragement, find some hope. Uh, I think that's been really big for my life. I think for a lot of people, that's something that, that I hope they come to realize as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I would, I would pray the same thing. And, uh, you know, for people who are struggling, there's always hope and there's always help. Mm-hmm. And usually we tell ourselves that no, there is no help, and, and that's not true. It's, and you're not unique. That is just simply not true. There's always help, and there's always hope. Now, finding that can be a little difficult, mm-hmm. but just when we understand that and say, okay. Um, uh, and and I, there are stories, honestly, that I just don't feel even comfortable sharing uh, in, in my own life where, uh, where I was going through. It was actually some external struggles. Mm-hmm. And I invited some other people in my life who just spoke uh, peace and calm and hope and truth. And uh, it's uh, helped me to be at this point in my life where I feel pretty pretty happy and blessed, honestly. Mm. Yeah, they, uh, I definitely can sense that just about your life, that you feel healthy and happy. And, and that's the thing that, for me, I, I wrote this. Uh, devotional book and the title of it is live fully love freely with mental illness. And you mm-hmm. mentioned it in the beginning of we can still, even if there are the struggles there and we are seeking out help with it, uh, but there is hope, there is help. And we, God wants us to live lives that are full. He wants us to be able to love freely and to be able to live our lives to, to a place where we can enjoy, where we can have joy and hope and peace and so that's kind of the message that I always try to put out there, that, that even with struggles, it is possible to live the kind of life that we've been called to live and one that is full of life, is full of love. Yeah. You know, one of my uh, old pastors from way back when wrote a book, and he tells the story of uh, when J.C. Penney, who started Penney's and so forth, uh, actually struggled with mental illness and was mm-hmm. in a facility for treatment for that. And, uh, and in the story that he tells, uh, that, you know, he heard with that, uh, from a chapel down, uh, down the hall, the old hymn, what a friend we have in Jesus. Mm. And for him, that was transformational and it's something he knew, but he needed to be reminded of. And so that's all I got for you, but that's my reminder. Yeah. I love it. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on this and, uh, just being open, honest and sharing and providing encouragement and hope. Oh, I appreciate being here. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, Ben. All right, we'll see you guys next episode. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please subscribe and share with others so they can join us on this journey. I'll see you next time.